Hope you got your Bible. Let's go to the New Testament. We're going to look at go forward. Go forward. Both words and what we will speak in the scripture we will use today in 2 Timothy. You won't find these words, but yet I believe that the subtext of about not all of Paul's writings, but man, a good uh, portion of Paul's writings Whatever that text would be, you could just about say the subtext is to go forward. Keep moving. Keep moving on. Keep going and setting new goals and new boundaries. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting with verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. Now, those three things, of power and of love and a sound mind. Yeah, I know a Christian that he's not of a sound mind. My view of that is if he wasn't a Christian, he'd be even less of a sound mind than what he is already. That's how I look at that. And verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It's been, it's God's will that Cardin Loker be able to play the guitar and sing, and for me not. Yeah. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to God's own purpose and grace. I've mentioned before, uh, should I say this again? I've said it so many times, but uh, yeah, I will. Uh, John and Jane, you look at John and Jane. They're like Ken and Barbie, okay? (laughs) You look at Kay and myself, and we're more like pattern after the Cabbage Patch (laughs) dolls. So not everybody's going to, you know, be exactly the same, look the same, or do the same thing. All right. In verse 10, but it's now made manifest or made known by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 12, one of my favorite verses. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. How many knows in whom you have believed? And am persuaded. How many is persuaded? That he is able to keep that. How many knows he's able to keep that? Which I've committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Lord, We're praying, God, for your 
uh, moving and quickening of your Holy Spirit upon the words that we will speak here this day. And I'm believing, God, that people will be uh, helped by it. In Jesus' name, amen. I have something here that I know is at least 15 years of age. This was given to me by Rick Stratton. And he told me after preaching a message here one night, he gave me this paper and he said, Mark, I have the plan of God for Orchardville Church. And I said, well, I'd like to know what it is. He said, here it is. And he handed me this. Here's the plan of God for Orchardville Church. He said, you look in these pages and you can always find the plan of God for Orchardville Church. Whether it's page number one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven, or eight, or nine, or ten. And as I looked through here, it was page number one was to go forward. And then page number two was to go forward. And page number three was to go forward. And page number four was to go forward. And page number five was to go forward. So I think you get the crux of the idea. It's to go forward. As one minister told me a long time ago, Mark, you can always sit back and realize that, that the, uh, you pastor the biggest church in all of Orchardville. I said, what? Are you kidding me? You think that's the goal that I've set? The pastor of the biggest church in Orchardville? I don't think so. The goal I've set is for this church to constantly be going forward. And I have vowed within my own life, whether it's whatever comes or goes in my life, I want to continue to go forward. If I fall, I want to be falling forward and not falling backwards. Go forward, go forward, go forward. Every time I see in the Bible, that's what God is speaking to his leaders, was tell the people to go forward. God brings out the children of Israel from, from the bondage of Egypt and tells Moses, bring them out. Go forward. Now, I want you to think of this. Those people that were to leave Egypt and to go forward, they had to be fed. Just because you're a spiritual person don't mean you don't ever get hungry. Sure, you get hungry. According to the quartermaster general of the army, it is reported that Moses would have had to have had 1,500 tons of food each day. To bring that much food, it would take two freight trains, each of them a mile long, to bring that much food. Do you think Moses had that figured out the first day that he left? No. What was the only thing that he had figured out? were to go forward, or to leave Egypt, or to put one foot in front of the other, and God's going to lead the way we are to go forward. And if they needed food, they needed water. It would take 11 million gallons each day. That would be a freight train with tank cars that would be 1,800 miles long. Do you think Moses had that figured out on the first day? I do not. I think he knew one thing he was to do, 
go forward, go forward, go forward. And this was something that grated on this man's mind because he was a detailed personality. He would have liked to have known how all this was going to work out, but he did not. And the reason I know he was a detailed personality because it was to Moses that God gave the Mosaic law with all the intricacies of the Old Testament and what that would represent for all the world. He was a detailed person. God would never have given him kind of details to someone who was not detail-oriented. So Moses would have liked to have known but God didn't tell him. God said, you are to go forward. Think of this. Each time they camped at the end of the day, it took a campground the size of two-thirds the state of Rhode Island for them just to be housed. You think Moses had that figured out? I do not. I think he knew one thing in his life. He was to go forward and God would figure out the rest of it. If my view is I cannot take a step unless God tells me in the most intricate detail everything that God wants us to do, we would be nowhere today because God don't work that way. When you're driving at nighttime, your car lights do not shine 500 miles in advance. It shines a few hundred yards in advance, and that's about it. And when you get to there, you're looking at a few hundred more yards, and that's about it. And you get to there, and you're going another couple hundred yards. You're not seeing the whole picture. Even though at times it would be good, but I'm telling you at times, it would be a terrible thing for us to know Exactly, all the hardships that we would go through all of our life, and we knew them in a moment. That's why God has divvied this thing out into months and into weeks and into days and into hours and into minutes. So we can take these things bite-sized, but it would be an overload of us trying to comprehend everything that's going to happen in just a moment's time. The old man in Chicago, that the, he saw the Salvation Army sign and he saw the big kettle and he was a penniless kind of guy and didn't have anything, but he reached in his pocket and he had two pennies and a dime and a quarter. And he took the two pennies that he had and he threw in the kettle and he walked off. And the sign that was there on the Salvation Army kettle was, what would you give Jesus this Christmas? And that just bugged him. And he turned around and he went back and he reached into his pocket and he had that dime and that quarter left and he threw in a dime. And he turned around and walked off. And there that thought was, again, what would you give Jesus this Christmas? And finally he turns around and he leaves and he feels in his pocket of that quarter and he turns around and he gives the quarter and he walks off. And there it was again. What would you give Jesus this Christmas? And unbeknownst to the Salvation Army guy that was working that corner that night, as he was talking to a few people, and about that time he turned around and looked, and that penniless bum was sitting in the kettle that night. He gave all the money that he had, and it was still something that was troubling him. What would he give Jesus? And he thought, I don't have anything else to do and to give but myself, and that's what he gave that night. 
That's why in the book of Proverbs you see, my son, listen to these, my son, give me your heart. It is not, my son, give me your intellect. It's not, my son, give me your brilliance. It's not, my son, give me your handsomeness. No, my son, give me your heart. God is compelling us to us to be able to willing to give everything that we have to him. I remember in my own life, there were times that I wanted to be used in ministry so, so, so bad. I'd pray every, every morning. I'd get up. And I'd go on my way to work to, to Mount Vernon. I'd pray uh, most of the way there. God, you know my heart. You know what I want to do. You know I want to pastor a church. This is my heart. God, give me a church. And finally, God gave me a church. And then my prayer was, oh, God, I want to be used. I want to be used in your ministry. I want to be used in your ministry. I want to be used in your ministry. And I felt that there were times that I was used in his ministry. There are times that I felt like I was used up in the ministry where I had nothing more to give. There have been times that I have been despitefully used in the ministry. There's one funeral home director. He'd call me and, Mark, I need you to do a funeral. All right. I just had to come to grips with it. It had nothing to do with the 25 or 50 bucks. It had everything to do with the unprofessional, how unprofessional he was, that he would never give any preacher a dollar for doing a funeral. Finally, it was just like, Lord, forget it. I'm not, the next time that guy calls, I'm not going to go. I'm just not going to do it. It ain't right how he does people. I got the phone call, and there the Spirit of God checked me to where I was about ready to say, no, can't do it. You got to find somebody else. And the Spirit of God checked me, and I said, I'll be right there when you need me. Because here's what the Bible says. Pray for them that despitefully use you. It don't say bug out and quit. It said pray for those that despitefully use you. If you want a verse on that, that's Matthew 5, 44. What that did, even though that guy ripped me off and every preacher that I know, it gave us the opportunity to minister to people that may not have ever heard me minister otherwise. See, let me tell you what I'm not. I'm not a professional minister. See, you can tell that, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm a lot like Ezekiel, where Ezekiel said, I sat where they sat. Ezekiel went to the, to the Chebar River, and there he sat down with the people of Israel, and he sat there for three days and uttered not a word as he felt their pain of what they had experienced about losing the promised land and being driven in to a foreign country. And Ezekiel said, I sat where they sat. I have never, ever figured myself and counted myself better than the people that I'm ministering to. And there are some people that can't get that out of their head. They feel that they're better than the people they're ministering to. If that's the case, they need to get out of the ministry. I sat where they sat. We'll give you three things on with me in going forward 
and doing what God wants me to do. These three things are number one. I am to feel love. That's number one. And when you feel love, what that means is you don't take things for granted. I have for a number of years now, probably close to eight or nine years, every January I fast, I take off and do a fast. Now, in that length of time, it's always different. But let me tell you this, no matter if it's three days or if it's 33 days, at the end of that, there's nobody on planet Earth enjoys what they're eating more than I do. Never give it a thought. I mean, you eat that hamburger and those, and those French fries and those other uh, uh, health foods things that uh, I like to eat. <laughs> and throughout the year, you just wharf them down. You never give it any thought. But after you've done some time to where you've spent some time and you've just set that aside, and you're, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm giving that to God. I'm basically, there that tithe is, I'm tithing that to God. I'm just giving that to him. When I now start eating again, man, when I get to go to a restaurant, it was like, woo, Christmas time. I'm really enjoying this steak. I'm really, in, that's what it is about feeling love. I think in America, particularly in America, we take so many things for granted. We take the vehicles that we drive for granted. The clothes that we have on our backs for granted. You take any person that's been on a mission trip, and when they come back, they're always, they're always preaching the same message. These young people, they don't, they don't care about anything anymore, and they're not, they're not grateful for nothing. Because they've been on a mission field, and they give out little trinkets and things to kids that felt like that they'd been like the best gift they ever had in the, in the world, in their whole life. You stop and thank God for people that do things within this church. Makes me to feel love. It's one of the ways that I can continue to go forward is to keep this feeling within me. Door, don't take for granted uh, the sound men and the, and the techs and the lighting and the computer techs. And, and I don't want to take any of those people for granted. The video man, I don't want to take any of those guys and gals for granted. The singers that get up and sing and the, the fit team and, and the CD ministry and all the different ministries that we have, I don't want to take any of those for granted. And one of the ways that I don't take them for granted, I've got a, a sheet of paper at home that's got all the different ministries on there and I will stop from time to time and I will read all of those ministries. And I want to feel and thank God for what they're doing and I want to be able to stop and thank the Lord for everything that people are doing. On Sunday mornings, my, one of my best prayers on Sunday morning is, God, let people feel what they're doing today. That it is of utmost importance to the kingdom of God. When you're shaking someone's hand, when you're in a Sunday school class, but that's the number one thing. Number two, show love. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Few years back, Kay said some, something. It was about someone that was on staff at that time, and Kay said her heart is just not in it anymore. Well, after going and talking to Joy Taylor, because I don't know what anybody gives, I don't want to know. Justine told me years ago, "Don't ever be looking at that, or else you'll just get depressed." So I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And Kay said her heart's not in it. 
And I went and talked to Joy about it, and I found out from Joy, her treasure wasn't in it either. And that's what Jesus said. Where your heart is, there is where your treasure will be. And I can prove that no better way than parents of U of I students. Some of the best fans that I know of U of I basketball are people that have put their children through school at U of I. Because where their treasure is, their heart has followed and not the other way around. Oh, her heart's really in it. Uh, uh, her treasure will be in it too. That ain't what Jesus said. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Amen. Hallelujah. I've invested thousands of dollars and I've invested thousands of hours to Orchardville Church and never done it begrudgingly. I never take out that, that money and think, oh, you know, you're just, oh, I've got to give again. Oh, just, oh, golly. Never seen this money again. Why is it that a $50 bill looks so big in church and you go to Walmart and it looks so little? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not what you can get, it's what you can give. And thank God for all the people that give so much of their time, talent, and treasure to this church. Number three, we need to tell love. Speak the truth in, what's the next word? Love. Metropolitan Church. Who pastored that church in its heyday? Spurgeon. They ran 5,000 people every Sunday morning. That's back over 150 years ago. Today they run 300 people. It's a shadow of what it once was. New York City, A.B. Simpson, the famous preacher there, altars were filled every service. Not so today. 150 people. Somebody stopped feeling love. Somebody stopped showing love. Somebody stopped telling love. Second Timothy chapter 2, not far from where we have been, verse 1 and 2. Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and these things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul Look at the progression. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. That's going forward. That's keeping that hope and that dream alive. That's keeping that message alive. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. Going forward, going forward, going forward, going forward. And you know, Solomon was right when he said, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little foxes of jealousy or the little foxes of gossip or the little foxes of lust or the little foxes of bitterness. That's why we gotta be on guard. 
all the time. I never want, I never, this would be the furthest thing in my mind that I would want for Orchardville Church is for 10, 15, 20 years from now, albeit if the Lord don't come back before then, believe me, I'm gonna be shocked. But 10, 15, 20 years from now, people talking about Orchardville Church and what Orchardville Church used to do. I never want that to happen to this church. The candle that stands in darkness, it stands there until it yields itself to the force of that fire. And then it starts glowing. The weaker, the weaker yields itself to the stronger. And the candle is only fulfilled when it's doing its job of showing forth that light. And listen, people, the longer you wait, yes, you can burn as bright as someone else, that's true, but listen, you can't burn as long. Thank God for these young people who get saved at a young age. Man, they're just burning for Jesus all their years of their life. Thank God for that. They can be able to burn for God for a long time. Fire, the fire, listen, the fire does not become a candle. The candle becomes a fire. Again, it yields itself to that which is stronger. Candle is only fulfilled when it's doing its job. And you know, I could find, I could have had all kind of candles up here. And there are good smelling candles and there are candles that smell like food and what better combination is that. And then there are uh, ornate candles and there's fat candles and thin candles and short candles and tall candles and all these candles. They're all made with one purpose, to shine. That's what a candle is made for. And one candle says, I'm burning myself out. And we probably say it like this, I'm burning myself out. And another candle says, I'm doing what I was made to do. Right before I turned 16 years of age, and God just really just stamped this on my heart. I was walking from grandma's, grandma and grandpa's to our house. And this was the thought that I had. And I don't know if 15-year-olds think this way or not. I don't know. I hope they do. Here's what I had. Got to be more to life than this. Just the thought that I had. And here was what the Holy Spirit, and I know I didn't know at the time, I never heard these words, never had this thought. But I don't know what it was now. And the Holy Spirit said to me, unsaved, unsaved young boy, I have a plan for you. Like, man, where, where did that come from? What did I do with that? I have a plan for you. And probably if it was seven or eight months after that, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. And my life has totally benefited from that. Totally benefited from that. But here's been my, here's been my thing. 2 Timothy 2, who has saved us and called us, or 2 Timothy 1, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own power and purpose. I never consider that I'm burning myself out. I consider 
I'm doing what God made me and had in planned in store for me to do. This is what I'm doing. And in all of that, I don't want to play it safe. And I want to coast all of my life. I want to go forward. I want to go forward. I don't want to find myself coasting because it wouldn't be good for the church. I want to go forward. 